Lord Jesus, you are the only one that can heal the sin-sick soul. You're the only one that can make us well. So, Lord, we pray that you would open your word to us because that is what is going to heal us. We ask that you would teach us from it so that we can be whole people. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. A few years ago, Ted Turner made his own headline news when he said that Christianity is nothing but a psychological crutch that weak people use to make themselves feel better. That is certainly one of the most common objections you will hear to Christianity, that it's just a crutch for weak people. And it's an argument that has been around for a very long time. Marx made the same argument when he asserted that religion is the opiate of the masses. Freud said that God was nothing but sort of a collective wish projection, a a giant father figure in the sky that's supposed to make us feel better. But there are a lot of problems with that argument, not least of which is that it is bad logic. The assertion that because human beings want there to be a God must mean that he doesn't exist makes absolutely no sense at all. If anything, the fact that we need God argues for his existence. Human beings tend not to need things that don't exist. It would be a very strange thing, for instance, if we needed water, if there were no such thing as water. We have a need for God because he's there. He made us, and without him we're not whole. But the real problem with Mr. Turner's thesis is that the Jesus he describes is just a stereotype who bears absolutely no resemblance to the Jesus in the Bible. Because the Jesus of the Bible doesn't act at all like a a crutch. In fact, he acts more like uh, an uncomfortably challenging cure. Someone who came to change us, to fix us, to transform us. In the passage we just read out of Luke, Jesus says, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, Jesus is saying, Y'all are sick. You, you, you need to change your way of living. You're, you're, you're doing things that are hurting yourself and other people. That is not very comforting. That is a long way from I'm okay, you're okay, so let's just be okay, okay? <laughs> That's not what he's saying. It's kind of a hard, challenging message, don't you think? In another place, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself daily, take up his cross, and follow me. Yikes! That's not a crutch. I mean, if we were making this up, I think we would have edited that part out, don't you think? Throughout the New Testament, Jesus asks that we reach out to serve other people in his name. And none of that feels to me like a psychological crutch. In fact, it feels like the opposite. It feels like a very engaging challenge. The God who called Mother Teresa to leave her safe convent and pick up dying bodies on the streets of Calcutta. The God who called former Watergate conspirator Chuck Colson to leave a life of political crime and do prison ministry, that God is more than just a cosmic nurse for weak people who just want a little spiritual Tylenol. He's not a crutch. He's a cure. One that transforms us and then calls us to help transform other people. You see this in the passage out of Matthew where the blind and the lame and the mute and the deaf are are coming to Jesus. What are they coming for? A crutch? No, they're they're coming so that they can see again and walk again and, and hear again. They're coming for a cure. And the question is, do we want a cure or do we want a crutch? 
my grandmother has a hard time walking because she has weak ankles. And the doctor told her that if she went to a physical therapist and did her exercises, that she'd get better. But she didn't want to have anything to do with any of that. Now, I love my grandmother and respect her a lot, but she can be a stubborn woman. And in this case, she was. She went and she bought herself a walker, and then she just started telling us, well, I'm just going to get better. And when we'd say, well, how's that going to happen? She'd say, well, it's just going to happen. I'm just going to get better. And she just sort of believed that. Now, the problem is, occasionally she falls down, only she won't call it that. She refers to it as sitting down. She said, I sat down. So I was very creative. Now, my grandmother doesn't seem to want a cure, which for those of us who love her is kind of disappointing because we want her to get better. She just doesn't want to admit that she has a problem and she doesn't want to go through the pain, through the exercises, through the physical therapist to get better. So instead, she invents a comforting fiction. I'll get better on my own. And then she uses that as a crutch to prop herself up psychologically. Now, in defense of Ted Turner, some people do use Christianity that way. They use it as a crutch. When we expect Jesus, for instance, to take care of all our problems rather than face them, when we come to Jesus to be comforted but not changed by him, when we use church to give us a good feeling but don't follow God's commandments, when we use God's grace as an excuse to keep on sinning, well, then we are using Christianity as a crutch, something to comfort us but not change us. But the real Jesus of Scripture wants so much more for us than that. You see, instead of being a crutch, Jesus is more like that physical therapist that my grandmother doesn't want to go to. He doesn't want to just prop us up in life. What he really wants to do is get in there and do some exercises and do some work with us and change us and challenge us and transform us so that we can be whole people who reach out to others in his name. We saw this last week, if you were here, when we talked about the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? I've, I've kept all the commandments. Is that good enough? And Jesus says, well, one other thing, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. Now, the problem with this rich young ruler was he was leaning on a lot of crutches. His sense of his own goodness, his money, his title, his status. And what does Jesus do? He kicks all those crutches out from underneath him and says, follow me, you won't need any of those. And then he gives them a mission to use his resources to help other people. In another place in Scripture, Jesus meets a man named Zacchaeus. And you all remember the story from Sunday school, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And he, what, he made his money by overcharging his countrymen, by ripping them off, uh, by overcharging them for their taxes, a thing you should never do. And Jesus comes to Zacchaeus and says, follow me. And what do you know? Zacchaeus does. And, and before you know it, the sawed-off little shyster stops being a hitman for the Roman IRS and gives all the money back. Now, is that a comforting crutch? Not so much. Zacchaeus was leaning on a lot of things, his money, his sense of power and authority over other people. And Jesus takes all of those away and says, if you follow me, you're not going to need those things. You see, the question is not, are we going to lean on something or not? As human beings, we don't have that option. We're going to lean on something. All of us lean on some kind of crutch, whether we admit it or not. Maybe it's our achievements or our success, our job, alcohol, material possessions, 
relationships, positions, titles, our looks, our status in the community, our sense of our own goodness, entertainment, even believing that we don't have any crutches can be a crutch. Everyone leans on one kind of a crutch or another. And the question is whether or not what we're leaning on is going to help us walk or is it just going to keep us paralyzed? And of all the things I've leaned on in my life, and I have leaned on a good many things, Jesus is the only one that was real enough to hold me up. Jesus is the only one that didn't eventually slip out from underneath me. And Jesus is the only one that didn't always make me comfortable, but he did always work to make me whole. When I first became a Christian in college, I was incredibly introverted. And I know that some of you think I'm introverted now, but you should have seen me then. (laughs) Boy, was I introverted. In fact, I was so shy, it was a chore for me just to go to the supermarket because I didn't want to talk to the clerks. That's how shy I was. Then to make matters worse, right after I started following Jesus, I began to have panic attacks. And I don't know if you know what those things are, but it's when you're, for no reason, suddenly seized with this sort of sense of paralyzing panic. And your heart races, and you can't breathe, and you get dizzy. And I'd have several of these a week. And sometimes I wouldn't be able to sleep for two or three nights in a row. And I remember being so frustrated with God. I remember thinking, here I've become a Christian and my life didn't get any better. It got worse. And I remember being out one night trying to calm down from one of these panic attacks. And I I was talking to God and I said, just make these things stop. Just make them stop. If you don't make these things stop, well, I'm going to stop believing in you. As if that was a threat, right? I'm sure he was scared. What I wanted was instant comfort, a crutch, something to prop me up. Instead, I got three things. Two days after that night, my landlord rented my apartment without telling me and booted me out. And so I had to move into a new apartment with a roommate that I'd never met before. Remember, I'm shy. Second, a few weeks later, the college pastor over at University Presbyterian, where I was going to church, came to me and he wanted me to join this service group. And guess what he wanted introvert boy here to do? Go meet the new people and welcome them into our church. Uh Uh-huh. I remember thinking, God, your jokes aren't funny and your timing is off. And then the worst thing of all that could have possibly happened, this guy who had been my enemy since high school, I mean, he was my arch enemy, he joined my Bible study. The one place that I felt safe, and he just had to wreck it. I was not happy. I felt like I asked for help, and I got kicked out of my apartment, got forced to do some service I wasn't comfortable with, and my arch enemy joins my Bible study. Jesus just wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. Well, as it turned out, the new roommate was a Christian, and we formed a lifelong friendship. Visiting the new people in the church taught me to get out of my shell, and be less introverted. And then one day in Bible study, my arch enemy was talking and he told us that he was having problems with, guess what? Panic attacks. (laughs) I took that as a signal from God. (laughs) So he and I started meeting once a week and we prayed for each other and within a month, my panic attacks disappeared and I've never had one since. And to this day, my enemy and I are very good friends. Jesus was not a crutch there. In fact, he took away all the crutches I was using. He forced me into something, into some uncomfortable situations. I I had to learn to open up and get over my shyness. I had to reconcile with my enemy. 
and I had to go out into some uncomfortable situations, and I had to get my eyes off myself and put them on him and other people. Jesus is not a crutch. He's a doctor. He's a healer. He's a cure. And he came to get rid of all the crutches we use so that we can be cured. And the way we access this cure, it's really very simple. It's really very simple how we access the wholeness Jesus wants to bring us. For starters, we need to get our eyes off ourselves and put them on other people and start serving in his name. My panic attacks didn't go away until I reached out of myself, reached out to the new people, reached out to my enemy, reached out to the new roommate, and began to serve them. But when I got my eyes off myself and put them on Jesus and his people, I found some healing. And this can be all kinds of simple things. It can be as simple as inviting someone to church who just needs to hear a word of hope, volunteering some time to teach Sunday school or, or tutor a kid who needs it, just, just listening to a coworker or a neighbor. Anything that takes our eyes off ourselves and puts them onto others is one of the ways we access the wholeness Jesus has. <clears throat> but the real way that we access this cure The real way that we find wholeness is that we have to admit that we need Jesus to help us. That whatever it is we're leaning on that gives us a sense of security and our own adequacy, that it's insufficient to hold us up and that what we really need is Jesus if we're going to be whole. And there's the rub, isn't it? That's the objection. You see, that's what Ted Turner really doesn't like about Christianity is that it forces us to admit that we aren't all-sufficient, that we aren't perfect, that, that we can't save ourselves, and we just don't want to admit that because that mortally wounds our pride. When people say that Jesus is nothing but a crutch for weak people, what they're trying to imply, of course, is that they're not weak, they're strong, and that they don't lean on anything unless, of course, it's maybe the job or the alcohol or the money or the prestige or on and on and on and on. Everybody leans on something, whether we admit it or not. I have a friend who, when he hears someone say that Christianity is just a crutch for weak people, he says, yep, sure is, and I've got a broken leg. And only a fool with a broken leg wouldn't go to a doctor. All of us are spiritual paralytics in one way or another. The question is, can we admit it, or are we going to pretend that we don't need any help? A while back, the Los Angeles Times reported a car wreck. And a woman had crashed her car into this guardrail on an overpass, and she was dangling. She was trapped inside her car, dangling on the overpass over the freeway. And the fire trucks came, and the cranes, and hoists, and it took two and a half hours to sort of hoist this car up off the guardrail and put it back down on the road before it fell to the freeway below. The whole time, the woman was inside screaming and yelling. Well, afterwards, the fire chief was talking to a reporter about the operation, and he said it was the strangest rescue operation I was a part of. In fact, it was kind of humorous. He said the whole time we were hoisting this car up off the guardrail, the woman inside kept yelling at us, Stop it! Stop it! Leave me alone! I can do it myself! (laughs) Kind of sums up the human condition, don't you think? (laughs) I'll do it myself! But you know what? All of us, for one reason or another, are dangling from something. And we're leaning on something, and it's probably as flimsy as that guardrail. And it's not going to hold us up forever, because only Jesus can. So the question I want to leave you with is this. What are the crutches you're leaning on to prop yourself up? Maybe it's a career that you're using to make yourself feel significant. Jesus wants you to come to him and know that you're significant because he died for you. Maybe it's some kind of substance that you're abusing 
to give yourself comfort. Jesus wants you to leave that behind. Maybe it's money. Maybe you think you'll be secure if only you have enough of it. Jesus says, give it away and watch me provide for you. Maybe it's your sense of status in the community or entertainment or prestige. Whatever it is we're leaning on, Jesus wants to kick it out from underneath us and teach us to walk with him. The, the, the old hymn is exactly right. There is a bomb in Gilead. There is a bomb in Gilead that makes the wounded whole. There is a cure for the sin-sick soul. If only we'll leave the things we're leaning on and follow him. He's not a crutch. He's a cure. And the question is, do we want to get well? Lord Jesus, thank you that you do more than just provide for us a comforting crutch. You are our only firm foundation, Lord. You're the only thing we can lean on. And we pray that you would take away the things that we're leaning on instead of you. you. Ask that you cure us and make our sin-sick souls whole so that we can know you and follow you. Do this and we'll be grateful people. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.